0: All right, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you have your YouVersion Bible app, I'm in the CSB. It'll be on the screen as well as in the outline that you were handed when you came in. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll get there in just a moment. Um, But every once in a while, I will see a friend online post um, this quote that says, and maybe you've seen it, we can be brothers, but we don't have to be twins. Um, for some, you were like, I don't want to be your twin. Um, Growing up in uh, church, uh, there was this song that my, I don't even, it wasn't a church song, Um, but it was uh, something that our children's director and then my youth uh, director would sing, and he would say, "Um, you, uh, what is it, Um, uh, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, yeah, yeah, you ugly, Ilmay, Ilmay, I know how you got that way, your mama. I wouldn't sing that. Um, Actually, that's Mike Kemper, the pastor at Charm City Church that we support in missions. Um, I don't know who would say that, not me. Um, So uh, we can be brothers, but we don't have to be twins. In the context of the church, um, that means for us as followers of Jesus that Um, there should be unity in our diversity rather than division. We don't have to divide ourselves over our diversity and over our differences when those are secondary and kind of third-level differences. When it's not the the, the fundamentals of the faith, we can still be brothers. We can still be brothers and sisters, and we don't have to divide ourselves. We can have unity in diversity. Um, The church, we as people, we as followers of Jesus are diverse in our nationality, in our skin Tone in our language, in our dialects. All it takes is to be in this area with a lot of military, and you hear a lot of those Yankee accents from up north. And you're like, "Hey, you must be military or job transfer or whatever, because we don't sound like that down here." And so you know someone's not from here when they say something about our accent, because it's like, "Well, this is home for us." You know, um, it may be new for you, uh, but I love I love different dialects. I love like hearing people from England and Australia and they probably get tired of people going, you know, oh, I love your accent. Where are you from? And so we're diverse in those ways. We're diverse um, um, in our gender. We've got male and female. We're diverse in our education. Some people have very uh, higher education, doctorates and masters, and then some just maybe high school or less, but maybe you went to tech school or something like that. You're diverse in your education. You're diverse in your financial status, your skills, your talents, your passions, and even your convictions. Some of those secondary things within Christianity where there's diversity, where one might say, hey, I'm convicted in this area. The Bible's not very clear. And another might say, well, I'm not so convicted in this area. There's diversity in that way. God made us all unique. He made us all diverse. God made you to be you. God did not make you to be a clone of any other person. He created you to be a unique individual, a unique person. He saved you to conform you, not to another person, but to his son, Jesus. That's why Paul tells us in scripture, as he wrote to Timothy, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He wasn't just saying, follow me, and he wasn't just saying to be a clone of me and to be another Paul. What he was saying is, Timothy, I want you to follow me, to learn from me as I follow Christ. Why? Because I don't want you to be another Paul. I want you to be Timothy, who is made in and lives out in the the image and the likeness of Jesus. Follow me as I follow Christ. Unfortunately, we know Um, And we're not disparaging anyone, but some pastors, some ministry leaders um, put more effort and work harder at trying to make people clones of themselves rather than disciples of Jesus. My job is not to make you another Nick Carnes. And you're like, amen. That should have been like the loudest amen like I've ever gotten. But hey, I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. Um, you're like, are you sure? Um, you do not want to be another Nick Carnes. Uh, my, my oldest son is here. He can tell you. My wife's right here. She can tell you. Tristan's in the back. He can tell you. I don't know where Haley is. Haley, wave at me. She's probably serving in the children's environment. They will tell you. You don't want to be another clone of Nick Carnes. It is my job to equip you and to help you to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. So today, we're going to learn from Paul as he wrote to the church at Corinth, and in this letter, in this portion of his letter, he speaks to the church in their unity and in their diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 3 to begin, says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's beginning here by reminding these Christians that before they came to faith in Christ, they were not only enticed, and we understand that language, it's almost like being um, drawn by something like lust or like to something of great wealth, that we're enticed by it, the the shiny object. He says, "...you were enticed by um, and you were led astray by mute idols." So so they were led astray when they were pagans, when they weren't followers of Jesus, by these man-made dead and powerless idols that could do nothing for them. And so now he's once again kind of warning them, just as we have seen all through the New Testament in 1st through 3rd John. 1st and 2nd Peter, all of those um, books that we've studied, we see in Colossians, the Gnostics and these false teachers, and all of these Christians um, being put in harm's way, essentially, from false teachers and mystics and all of these um, different groups of people. And so here, what he's doing is he's warning them so they're not led astray, they're not misled again, because there's a group of people who are cursing and blaspheming Jesus, a a group of Jews in this time, but what they're saying is, is that they're being empowered to do miracles and to do all these great wonders through the Holy Spirit, through, through this Spirit. And so what Paul is telling them here to begin this letter before we get into the meat of it is um, that no one will curse Jesus. No one will blaspheme Him. No one's going to disparage Him and who He is um, and be led of the Spirit. There's no way that's contradictory. I say oftentimes we can't be led by the spirit and the spirit war against himself. And so um, if you have the Holy Spirit and I have the Holy Spirit and we're yielding ourselves to the Holy Spirit rather than to our flesh and to what we desire and to what we want, then as we yield to the Holy Spirit, there will be unity. Um, Even if in some disagreements, there can be unity rather than friction and fighting. Why? Because we, and division, because the Spirit doesn't war against Himself. So if you're being led by the Spirit and I'm being led by the Spirit, there will be unity. And so here the Holy Spirit, Spirit is not going to lead someone um, into blaspheming and cursing Jesus. In fact, he says it is only by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that one can declare that Jesus is Lord. And so today, um, even this week, I was speaking to someone who was talking about struggling with belief at some point in his life, and we were talking about the different evidences and things like that. But at the end of the day, um, God can use factual, historic, science, he can use all of those things, but at the end of the day, the the faith that comes for salvation and the faith that recognizes that Jesus is Lord comes through the Holy Spirit. Comes through being awake and having our eyes open to who he is. It is only by the Spirit Paul says, except by the Holy Spirit, one can say Jesus is Lord. And so he goes on in verses 4 through 11 and says, "Now, There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works, all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles through to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues one and the same spirit is active in all these distributing to each person as he wills you can write this down christians have unity in the spirit but diversity in their gifts and responsibilities christians have unity in the spirit but diversity in their gifts responsibilities. Within himself, God has unity with diversity. That there's one God, one Spirit, one Lord. God is triune. He's one God, but three different persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three are perfect. They're in perfect harmony with one another. They're in perfect unity with one another, but they're also diversified in the specific roles that they fulfill in the Godhead. So, so they're unique persons, but they're also one, but they play three different roles. It, it, this is why the Trinity or the Godhead is so difficult sometimes for people to understand because um, it's God. It's not, uh, our finite minds would struggle to really understand and people make a valiant effort in trying to help people to come to grasp with that, but it's God and, and it's not all to be understood, but he is triune three persons, one God, all equal, but playing three different roles and fulfilling different roles within themselves. And so God has blessed each Christian with these diverse gifts that these gifts are intended to be used among the, the church, the the, the the gathering of people to fulfill its diverse ministries. He says there's diverse um, activities. There's different activities that take place within this body. And so these gifts that were listed here, and there's others listed in other places, um, but these, li- th- these gifts that he tells us are this, the ability to speak wisdom to people and into um, certain situations that might be like a leader or a mentor the ability to impart knowledge, that would be like teachers, the the ability to have faith and inspire with faith, the ability to heal or provide healing, the ability to proclaim truth, which is prophecy, the ability to speak foreign languages and interpret those languages, that the Spirit decides by His will, His own will, which gifts that he distributes and to what degree and to what level that he distributes those gifts. So so when you were saved, you were given a specific gift through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone was who has come to faith in Jesus. But the Spirit, the Bible tells us, is the one who decides which gift he has distributed to whom and at what level. And so it might be that we grow in that gift and that gift grows and he imparts to us more of it and he gives to us more power in that gift, but the Holy Spirit by his own will and by his own choosing has given us the gifts and, and the level by which we have those gifts. And so therefore there shouldn't be any jealousy. There should be no arrogance. There should be no entitlement among the family of God. You're gifted in the way that you're gifted solely because God has gifted you in that way. You're gifted at the level by which you are gifted solely because God has gifted you in that way. And oftentimes what we can do is we see somebody that has this outstanding gift and we can platform them and elevate them and and raise them above other people because their gift is so great and yet we think that we're so lowly and so less than them because maybe our gift is not as good. There's many, uh, uh, many, that I wasn't, I'm not even good at grammar. Um, there are many other pastors who are better pastors, better communicators. Um, they have bigger platforms. And so it would be easy to go, wow, they're much greater than me. Like, like I could um, be jealous of them, or they could even be entitled because their gift is so great, but it's the Holy Spirit that has gifted them in that way. It's the Holy Spirit that has given them that gift, and so we should not have jealousy, arrogance, that, that I have this gift and you don't, you have this gift, and um, somehow we elevate the different gifts. I talk about this often in the church, that, that we buy um, you know, one of three lies that we have to preach, teach, or sing, or maybe play an instrument to have any value within the church, and that's a big lie and that's a big myth. Um, th- those are just three things that you can do, three talents that you might have. But there are many other talents, there are many other ministries, there are many other roles that are vital in the life of the church. But we've been raised to believe that the, the pastor, the teachers, and the musicians are like should be elevated above other people. And so with that, if we have that gift, we can become arrogant. If we don't have that gift, we can become jealous or we can feel like we don't measure up or we don't add up to the other Christians or the other parts of the body. But you're gifted the way you're gifted to the level that you're gifted solely because the Spirit chose to gift you in that way. And so therefore, you shouldn't look down on anyone because they don't have the gift that you have. But in the same way, you should not be threatened by anyone because of the gift that they have. And I will add that you should not elevate anyone else as better than you because they have a gift that is different than you. You have been given a gift. And it looks different and is at a different level than everyone else. But that's because the Holy Spirit has chosen to give it to you in that way. Maybe your gift is less because the Bible says he who is faithful in little, he will bless with even more. And so maybe he's just waiting for you to execute and to utilize and be a good steward of the gift that he has given you before he'll grow that, before he will expand that in your life because he who is faithful in the little, he will bless with even more. And so all of the gifts are equally important. Whatever gift God's given you in salvation, it is equally as important as mine or anyone else in this room. Every ministry is equally important. There's no ministry within the church that is of greater importance or has a greater value than any other. Why? Because it's all to serve the people of God. It's all to serve the body of Christ. It's all to glorify God. It's all to proclaim the gospel for life transformation. It's the power. The the gospel is the power into salvation, not the children's ministry, not the student ministry, not the worship team, not the role of the pastor. All of us should be moving in the same direction, proclaiming the same message, and therefore we are all equally important in the roles that we fulfill within the local church. And so the scripture goes on in verse 12 and 13, and says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. How many here just raise of hands uh, ever played team sports? Those who golf, you can't raise your hand, because uh, number one, it's not a sport. Number two, definitely not a team sport. Um, every team sport is made up of many individuals, various different individuals on that team. It doesn't matter what team sport it is, um, you're going to have individuals on that team. But but without the team working together, there's going to be very few victories. Just about every team sport is designed in such a way that you need the team to be victorious. Now, someone might hit a game-winning, you know, shot um, to to win it, but uh, it took a team to get them to that final seconds to where one individual on that team could make that final shot. It takes the team to be victorious, and you've probably heard the term the GOAT. Um, The GOAT, it's not like a satanic symbol or anything like that. Um, It is the greatest of all time. That's what that stands for, for those that don't know, because I know there's people here that's like sports isn't your thing. And so the GOAT is the greatest of all time. For instance, Sylvester Stallone. He's the greatest action movie um, actor of all times. Uh, If you don't believe so, I I will lead you to Jesus um, after the service. Michael Jordan. He is the GOAT of NBA players. LeBron James, he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time at flopping. Um, <laughs> Tom Brady is the, the GOAT of um, quarterbacks. And some of you may disagree because you might think that, you know, with the flake gate and all that stuff, I don't know, but um, he's got the rings. So regardless, um, he's the GOAT. He's the, they're the greatest of all time. But as much as we label individuals as goats, the greatest of all times, um, Tom Brady isn't winning a Super Bowl without deflating, I mean, without um, an offensive line protecting him. Because if he's on his butt the whole game, he's not passing and he's not making completions. He's not throwing touchdowns. He's not handing the ball off. Like without an offensive line, a quality offensive line to protect him and to open the holes for the running back to get through, like you're not winning a Super Bowl. You're not winning the MVP. Without a defense that helps protect the score and keeps the other team from outscoring you, you're not winning Super Bowls. So, so as much as we want to um, highlight and to label people as the, the, the greatest of all time or the greatest or the star, it takes everyone fulfilling their specific role at the best of their ability for them to achieve their ultimate goal, which is winning, winning championships. And so it it takes more than just the star, it takes an all-star. Stars will only take a team so far. It takes an all-star team to achieve the ultimate goal of winning. And it's no different in the church. We're one body made up of different members. We're one team. We're one family. We too have a goal. And every other church, they may say it in a different way. And we've gone through our mission statement in this series. And so hopefully y'all are at least familiar with it. But that shorter version that we talk about is our goal as a church is to lead people to become passionate followers of Jesus. So, so just like with a sports team, with, with a, a team sport, they're, they're all focused on the same goal. And they've all got different talents It's all at different levels. That's why you have starters, you have people on the bench, you have your second string, you have those that are like third string if it goes that deep, but but you have different talent, you have different levels of that talent. That doesn't mean someone that's on the second string can't develop and become a starter, but you have different talents, you have different gifts, fulfilling different roles at different levels. It's no different in the church. We have a goal, we have a win and that's leading people to become passionate, followers of Jesus. And he has given this body, and this is just a part of the body because the body is global. It is bigger than just one local church. We get to be a part of the body, but this is a local representation of the body. And he has given this body gifts and talents. It might be at different levels. It might look different for you as it does for someone else, but he has gifted you in a way to help this body achieve its goals goal of leading people to become passionate followers of Jesus. That's not just salvation. That's not just someone saying a prayer and coming to faith in Jesus. A passionate follower of Jesus follows him in every way that's growing spiritually. That's all the things that we've talked about that we value and that we want to do and be about as a church. You together help make that possible. You together help us achieve that ultimate victory of seeing people passionately follow Jesus, whether it be through groups, whether it be through student ministry or children's ministry or um, outreach projects or ladies night or whatever that might be. It takes all of the body who is gifted in different ways working together for that ultimate win. And, And so the Spirit has unified all nationalities all different classes of people, male and female, now into one new people, one body, one family, one team, one church. There is no hierarchy. Yes, there's leaders, there are people that are called and gifted and, and and instructed to lead the church but once again doesn't make them any greater their gift any greater their role any greater they're just given a greater responsibility they're just given a greater call and the bible says those that, that many should not uh, desire to be teachers because they'll be held to a higher accountability and so with a greater responsibility comes a greater accountability and so it doesn't make them greater it doesn't make me any greater. It doesn't make any of our pastors any greater. It just gives them a greater responsibility, but also a greater accountability. And so there is no hierarchy within the local church, within this body. In fact, um, for, 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 the, for all of us, um, there, there's only one goat, and that is Jesus Christ. So unless you've lived a perfect life, unless you were crucified on the cross, unless you um, rose to new life, you may want to lower your view of yourself, but also lower your expectations of other people because they're not Jesus either. And so if we're looking for any human to be the goat in our eyes, they're going to fail us. And they're going to fall short of what we're expecting of them. But you also shouldn't put yourself on a pedestal or a platform because the moment you do, um, people see how human you are and, and you're going to let them down and you're going to let yourself down and you're going to be what we, you know, cringe at oftentimes, um, be a hypocrite. You're going to say and, pre- and, and present yourself in such a way that you can't live up to your own standards. You, you can't live up to your own demands. And so we need to lower our, the view of ourselves. In fact, the Bible says, consider others as being more important than yourself. To, to, to not view yourself as something great. So there is no hierarchy. There should be no arrogance and no pride because the Spirit has unified us all together. We are equal. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen through 24 goes on to say, Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that are considered less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect which our respectable parts do not need. You can write this down. Every Christian matters to the body of Christ. Every Christian matters to the body of Christ. Paul is telling us here not to play the comparison game. Once again, you're not less than anyone else because you have a different gift or fulfill a different role in the church. The foot shouldn't feel like it doesn't belong to the body because it's not a hand. Uh, an ear shouldn't feel like it's not a part because it's an eye. And so he's using body parts, but he's already given us the different gifts. He's already given us the different roles. Um, uh, We're in a modern style church. We're in uh, the church of 2022. And so we can look through scripture and we can kind of see how they did some things back in the first century, but there's really no prescription other than worship and the gospel and things like that. Like he doesn't dictate to us the different programs and the different ways that you can flesh that out in the body of, uh, within the local context of the church, within a specific gathering. And so the way we do church might be, uh, is much different than the first century, But there's still roles, there's still things um, that we do that align with what we see here in scripture. And so what he's saying here is that the foot shouldn't feel like it doesn't belong because it's a hand. And so he's using these body parts, but what he's still uh, relating it to, he's wanting you, he's, he's painting this picture for you of your body to help you understand whatever gift that you have within the context of the modern church that you're a part of, that you have a role to play. You might be the hand, you might be the eye, you might be the ear. And what he's saying here is, we don't need to play the comparison game by saying to one, like you know, saying to the eye, "I don't need you. I, I'm a hand. I don't need the eye," or "I'm an ear. I don't need the nose," or whatever. Uh, he, he's not calling you those actual body parts. He's wanting you to understand because we understand how the body works. And so, if you can walk, you're grateful you have feet, right? You're grateful you have feet if you can walk. If if you uh, you're grateful you. Have two ears and not four eyes. Literally four eyes. I know, you know, growing up, if you had glasses, you might have been called four eyes. But, but, but you're thankful you can hear. You're thankful you can see because you have those body parts. When you have all of your body parts working as they're supposed to, you can fully function as God intended you to function. But if you didn't, you might be crippled and hindered from doing the things that you want to do, doing the things that you need to do. Well, in the same way, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit has gifted you to fulfill a role in this body. And maybe you don't belong to this body, or maybe God's going to send you to another body through job transfer or through um, military or whatever that might be. It's still the body of Christ if it fulfills the requirements of the scripture to be a New Testament church, you still have a role within that place. That's why as people leave here, we often try to find them a good gospel-centered church wherever they're being sent, wherever they're going for work. Why? Because we're a global family. We're a global body. We're just one manifestation of that. We're just one part of that. But, we're, but we are nationwide, we are worldwide. And so wherever you go, wherever God sends you, you have a role to fulfill within this body of Christ, within the local church. And so this is what Paul wants you to understand. You're a part of the body. You might not be the pastor, but you might um, be a fantastic group facilitator. You may not be a singer, but you might be able to do tech, or you might be a musician. You you might not know tech stuff, and you're like, I mean, I don't know anything like that. But you have the generous uh, the the generous gift, not generous gift, the generous gift of hospitality. You might not do well with kids or students, but you have construction and maintenance skills, or something along those lines, something that you can utilized for the the, the sake of the local church and benefiting it and helping it. So we all have gifts and talents, but oftentimes we buy that big three myths of I can't teach, I can't preach, and I can't sing, and so therefore I'm useless. But you can shake hands, you can hand out programs, you can hug people when they walk through the door, you can sweep, you can mop, you can um, watch children and care for them, and we don't just watch children here. We invest in children. We share the gospel with them, even at the youngest of ages. You can go and be a a, a small group leader for students or um, involved in in different roles there. You you can help in a wide variety of different ways within the local church. And so the question is, is are we going to um, be a part of strengthening the church or crippling the church? We see this uh, all through Scripture, God saved you in Jesus, and the Spirit has gifted you to fulfill a role in His body. You have been saved not to sit. He didn't save you for you to just sit and occupy a seat. He saved you to make you a part of the body to fulfill a role that only you can fulfill, or you and maybe a handful of other people that He has gifted in a similar way, but your gift may be greater. Their gift may not be as great. And so that's where people grow from one another. Iron sharpens iron. That's where we uh, benefit one another. We help and encourage one another. And so you've not been saved to sit. You've been saved to be connected to the body, not disconnected. And I wonder today, what body part are you okay with sacrificing and giving up and going without? Are you okay with your not, not having your feet? I know a lady through the chaplain, some chaplain work that I do, and for, for, for months now, she has had this excruciating pain in her feet that she can't even get relief from. Thankfully, she has a desk job, and so she can still work, but even some days, the pain is so distracting that it's hard to do her work, but to walk and to function as many of us do, walking downstairs and just walking through the house and, and just trying to fulfill the, the roles of life is very difficult for her. she's losing the physical ability of her feet. I I think she would want that back. I think she would want that pain to go away. Are are any of us like, are we, would we be okay losing our sight or or losing our hearing? Some of you are close to that, or some of you have. You, You can, you can testify to the difficulties of that. I have a pastor friend locally who just, just out of the blue, just lost hearing in one of his ears. Or, or a majority of it, and has to have um, an aid to help him. He, he, he would love to have his full hearing back. None of us would be okay with losing a body part or a function of our body. How many of us are okay with our mind dimming and losing our memory and struggling in that way? If you've ever had a family member with dementia or Alzheimer's, I've had several family members. Nikki's grandma had dementia. It's a very difficult disease. It's a very heartbreaking disease as your family member loses their knowledge of who you are. And so would any of us wish that and desire that for ourselves to lose the function of our mind? None of us would. See, none of us are okay with losing our physical... um, abilities, uh, any part of our body. And the truth is God's not okay with not having a fully functioning body either. And that's what happens. You can write this down. The church is crippled when Christians don't fulfill their God-given roles. The church is crippled when Christians don't fulfill their God-given roles. That's why he says you're a ear, you're a hand, you're a foot, you're an eye. He wants you to understand that you have a function, you have a role within the church, within the body. And if you don't fulfill that role, it's no different than if your foot decides it's not going to fulfill that role. Or something happens and you no longer have that function and that ability. You would be crippled, you would be hindered from doing what you need to do, what you want to do. And in the same way, we've been given a mission to lead people to become passionate followers of Jesus. He's called us. He saved us. He says, I'm not just going to put one, I'm not just going to give the church the pastor because there's only so much one pastor can do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give the church all of these gifts and all of these different functions because the church is going to be much more effective and successful with all of these roles being fulfilled within itself. Why? Because we have a mission to lead people to become passionate followers of Jesus. The church is not about coming and sitting in a seat and singing some songs and listening to a lecture. This is one of many things that we're called to do. The Bible tells us go into the highways, into the hedges, and to compel people to come in. Are we doing that? Are we fulfilling the mission or are we hindered and crippled because everyone's not deciding to fulfill their role? There's a handful of people fulfilling their role. There's a number of people, but they can only do so much before they wear out, before they, lose the, before they burn out, before they say, I can't do enough. I need another foot to help me because I'm, I'm trying to do it all on one foot. I'm trying to do it all with one hand and it's grown weak and it's grown tired. I need another hand. I need an arm to support me. I need a mind to help understand and to know maybe more strategies and better ways of doing things. We need one another. Without one another, we are crippled and we don't fulfill our God-given roles. When you're disconnected and not plugged in to the church, fulfilling your God-given role with your God-given gifts, the body is crippled. This body is not fully functioning. Most churches are not fully functioning. What if we as Followers of Jesus said, I'm going to fulfill my role. It might not be as great as someone else. It might be limited in its scope, but I can do what I can do. And whatever I do is going to matter. It's important because it's going to help us get one more step closer to that victory, to fulfilling the role of leading people to become passionate followers of Jesus. This is why Paul said that I cannot say, to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. The pastor can't say, hey, I got it, I'm good. I don't need this role and I don't need this position and I don't need this. If you've ever taken leadership courses, you've heard from John Maxwell, the law of the lid. There's only so much one person can do. There's a lid. And once you hit that lid, that's as far as you can go. But there are different people at different capacities with different gifts and different talents and different abilities that together we can accomplish more. So never should we get to the place where we say, I don't need you, and I don't need you, and I don't want you, or whatever that situation might be. But the reality is that's not the modern church's problem. The problem is threefold, in fact, and maybe more. But these are just the things that I could initially think to the right on the tip of my mind. It's the ear believing the body doesn't need it. Not the body telling the ear they don't need it, because You ask me, I'll tell you, we need you. You ask some of the other parts of the body who are serving and fulfilling their role week after week after week after week, and they're tired and they're exhausted, and they won't tell you they don't need you. They'll tell you, oh ear, I need you. Oh eye, oh hand, I need you. So it's the ear, it's whatever role you fulfill, telling the body, telling the church, you don't need me. Another part of fulfill my role. Another part can take the place of me being an ear, that I can do it. The second thing is this: it's the legs prioritizing other things, declaring that it's too busy, it doesn't have enough time to use their gifts to fulfill their role as legs. This is what we talked about last week. God's given us these abilities, just like He has blessed us with resources and finances and treasures that he calls us to be stewards of, to manage well for the kingdom of the God, uh, for the kingdom of God, for the advancement of the gospel. We're not owners of that. Well, who gave us these gifts? The Holy Spirit, out of his own will and out of his own provision. He says, I'm going to give you this gift at this level, at this depth. We're called to be stewards of that gift, to, to manage it well. We're not owners of that gift. And so therefore, we have to utilize it and put it into practice in the way that we have been instructed through Scripture. And so what we see in the modern church are the different parts of the body saying, I've prioritized something else. I'm the owner of this gift, and I'm deciding to shelve it. I'm deciding to kind of put it away, to put it away in storage where uh, rust and moth will eat and destroy, where thieves can break in and steal, where it goes to waste and has no eternal value and no eternal good because I've prioritized something else in my life. And so therefore, I can't fulfill my role as the legs or as the hands or as the mind or whatever that might be because I've prioritized something else. Because I've decided I'm the owner of this gift and I'm not gonna utilize it in the way that God has intended. The third one is this, it's the mouth saying that if it can't be the whole head, it's going to go attach itself to another part of the body or just stop fulfilling its role all together. Like if you don't give me my way and let his like the video, I'm going to preach. God's gifted you in a certain way with certain abilities at certain degrees and certain levels so that you can utilize them. The Bible says in the way that he intends for you to, to use them in the way that he desires for you to use them. The Bible in Genesis, uh, I mean, uh, Daniel chapter four, and I'm about to close, tells us that even in leadership, that all authority is given by God, that it's a stewardship and that he chooses even the lowliest of men. He places them over the kingdoms of men. God chooses. So we can look and be like, well, I got this position because of my mom, or I got this position because of my talents and my skills and my education. And the Bible says that God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to whomever he chooses, even the lowliest of men. You are in the position that you're in. You are where you are because God is sovereign. He is in control and he has led you to that place. He has placed you there. He has allowed you that opportunity and that ability You just come with open hands and you say, here's my gifts and here's my talents. Where can you use me? How can you use me? And you trust God to allow you to be placed in the best position to help the body of Christ reach the ultimate goal of leading people to become passionate followers of Jesus. Here's where I can serve. Where do you need me? Here's where I'm talented. Because some of you might have multiple talents. You might have multiple skills. Where am I needed most to help us lead people to become passionate followers of Jesus? Not demanding, not expecting, but humbly serving like our Savior Jesus did. 18 and 19 as we close. But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Every one of us makes up the body. God saved you to serve his church, his body, through specific gifts, talents, and abilities. And my question today is this, and this is the challenge. Will you fulfill your unique role? Last night, ladies' night, was amazing. It went well. I wasn't here, but I heard. I was at a, driving back from a wedding. Y'all can cheer. I mean, it's good. Like, it's all right. Thank you. But it happened. It was successful because multiple people played multiple roles. No one demanded, I've got to do this or I'm not going to do it. If you don't let me do this, they all just came in and they served. Musicians, singers, food prep, decorators, what, all the roles, security, merch table. I mean, and, and it worked and it was successful. Why? Because people came with open hands, willing to serve these lights that you see, these, all of these pink lights. Ken used his talents to design those for the ladies, like for the church, using a gift, using a talent that enhances our environment, that saved us money too. But they're they're awesome. Go, go up close to them and look at them. Absolutely. Our landscape team. We had the best landscape team in our since we've been here this year. Amazing team this year. We've got one more cut. We're hoping that's it. No more grass growing. But the the landscape team. We we started with like twelve people. Of course, things happen. Health and moving and schedules and things like that. we ended up with about seven or eight towards the end. two teams still rotating every two weeks. The landscape team saved the church 36 thousand dollars. yes by getting up early in the heat of the summer when it's when it's nasty outside, it's humid, it's a hundred plus degrees outside. And what used to take four hours, they would knock out in about two, two and a half hours, could be because it was hot, but did an amazing job and saved the church from having to hire a company that quoted us $36,000 to do it every two weeks, using their gifts and their talents to serve the church. And weekly, we have team leaders, we have volunteers, we have people serving whether it be the host team, whether it be parking lot, whether it be in the children's environments, serving so that the gospel may go forth, may penetrate the hearts of children and teenagers so that people will feel welcome and have a warm welcome when they come in and a fond farewell as they leave and they know that they belong and that they can be a part. And this is a place that they can find their new beginning, that this is a place of second chances, that this is a place that they can come no matter what they struggle with, who they are, what brokenness that they're dealing with and they can find healing and they can find hope. And so I wonder today, will you help strengthen the church or will you cripple it? Will you hinder it from us being able to fulfill the work and the ministry that he has called to? Will you shift from just being a consumer to being a a contributor to saying, God's given me a gift. God's given me something I can contribute. And so I'm going to find my place and I'm going to find my role. And today you can take that step. You can go to, you can write this down on your notes and then I'm going to pray. You can go to newpassionchurch.com forward slash serve, newpassionchurch.com forward slash serve. And you can fill out a, a, a form there and tell us where you would like to serve on a, a, a weekly basis, a bi-weekly basis, a monthly basis. Some roles can be done every week because you get to be in service. Some we want to rotate because it's working with children or, or um, you know, it's, it's outside of the auditorium. So we want you to be able to be in service. And so we try to rotate those. Whatever that looks like. Maybe there's something on there that, like, like the decorating of the lights and things, a, a talent that you can bring to the team that might not be on there. Come see me personally. To see any of our elders or our leaders and say, hey, here's how I can contribute. Here's how I can help. This is what I can do. And we'll, we'll get you plugged in. Trust me, we're not going to let you just sit over there unused because there's great work to be done. So today, your step of faith, your step of obedience, your step of being more like Jesus and being conformed to his image is to say, what role am I playing with the gifts that God has given me? Because if I'm not then I'm crippling and hindering the body that I've been saved to be a part of. Nowhere in scripture where you see that you were just called to be a congregant, a spectator, you're called to be a part of the body of Christ. Let us be faithful to that call. Let us be faithful to that gifting. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this letter that we've been able to look into that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. We thank you that the truths are transferable to us today. We thank you that you have not called us to conform to any other man, but to be diverse, to be unique, and to be like your son, Jesus, to be conformed into his image and to his likeness. And Father, that's my simple prayer today, that we would simply look to the truth of your word and we would say yes to you, that we would be obedient to you, You have saved us for us to serve. You have saved us and shaped us with gifts and talents. May we not allow those to go to waste. But just as Jesus was faithful in fulfilling your will by going to the cross, by giving his life so that we might have salvation, that we too would be faithful in fulfilling the work that you have called us to do, to serve your will. And ultimately, Father, that you will receive the glory because of our good works to our fellow man. God, I've read your scripture. We've looked to the truth of your word. There's nothing more I can say. I ask that your spirit now would move on our hearts, move in our minds, and draw us each into obedience to you. And may we humbly follow after Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen.